All right, we're rolling in three, two, one. Movie time. Movie time. time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Time Extra. It's the show where we talk about movies with a little something extra. I'm your producer, your co-host, your renowned farmer astronaut. My name is Dashiell Marco. And I'm your amateur thematic analyst, library technician, no longer in exile, and Michael Kane stand till I fucking die. My name is Tyler Duncan. Today, we are watching 2014's Interstellar, written by Jonathan and Christopher Nolan, directed by Christopher Nolan. If you enjoy our show, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to it. Tell a friend about it. I haven't really pandered for a rating in a good while, but leave us a nice little five stars on uh, iTunes or some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's supposed to do something. Feed our egos. Feed our egos. Uh, if you want to do that, you can also email us at movietimeextra at gmail.com. Tell us what you think is a little extra. Our banging theme song is by the amazing DJ Cutman. Check him out on Bandcamp for solid bangers and bops. We love you, Cutman. As always, there will be spoilers in this show. And if you don't like it, you can fly away into outer space. Yeah. We'll send you on a fifth dimensional thrill ride. Um, yeah, here we are. This is, um, so this is part three of our uh, Nolan trilogy that we decided to do. Um, th- I enjoyed this flick this time around. Uh, I think we we talked about it briefly, but I, uh, I think I watched it like around when it came out and uh, maybe I'm just older and more, <laughs> more mature now. <laughs> but uh, I really liked it uh, a lot more than the first time I watched it. Good. Yay. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that I don't have to sell this movie to you. <laughs> It's a good movie. It's a little bit of a slow burner, but um, not bad. And I, I was almost questioning uh, like how much attention I paid to this movie the first time I saw it. I mean, I might have actually seen this twice because it all kind of clicked as I was watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this, but couldn't have told you a thing about it before rewatching it. This movie, when I saw it in the theater, left a really big impression on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, I cried through most of it <laughs> uh, in the theater. And then uh, I was re, I, I rewatched it yesterday and I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I've seen it. I know like what hits when. And I still was like crying so much. Oh. Yeah. No, it's a good kind of cry. I, uh, I almost teared up once. I fucking love this movie. When did you almost tear up? Uh, when was it? It might have been towards the beginning when he was like saying bye to her. Or maybe not. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. And then, I mean, there are like, there's probably like three or four tear jerker moments in this film. Um, I was going to say, I don't know, because this is your pick. Maybe uh, you should uh, spearhead flying through a quick synopsis of the movie if you if you would like 
we did not talk about this at all beforehand. Okay. In a world. <laughs> no. Okay. So this is a um, kind of a nearish future dystopia uh, is, is where this is set. Um, they're dealing with a lot of blight, which is leading to food shortage. Uh, wheat has pretty much gone extinct. It's, you can no longer grow it for food. Uh, and then they, sh- they show in the early parts of the film that okra is now starting to um, die off as well. Uh, pretty much all you can grow is corn. So that's all we really eat. It's fucking corn. We're not uh, 100% sure like why that is, right? It, they're kind of just like, it's happening. And they say something about like, um, there's like an oxygen depletion. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I noticed that he mentioned, he mentions, um, Michael Caine's character mentions that it's like, we're 80% nitrogen and that's not actually the percentage that we live with now. It's closer to like 70, 75. Okay. okay so you're, you're with this guy named Cooper and he's played by Matthew McConaughey and his daughter he, he's a farmer uh, but you kind of find out he isn't originally a farmer um, and his daughter is having these crazy things happen in her room where books are falling off the shelf and she's having all these weird like anomalies happen in her room and she keeps saying like it's a ghost um, and he thinks she's a afraid of it but she doesn't seem all that afraid of it she's more just curious um and he so then he her says, down on it yeah yeah and he's like well gotta use the scientific method because turns out he's like a former nasa pilot and engineer um and a good dad so he's like yeah like prove to me there's a ghost prove it use the, the scientific f- method yeah well, i obviously dive into it as much as you want but definitely the first like half hour of this movie is all kind of just set up to show his family bonds and that key thing as well with the books and stuff um which will come yeah. around later the first hour of the movie is essentially setting up the world and what what kind, kind of what happened like yeah. that the, where they are now they're like post a lot of like wars and civil unrest because of food shortages um yeah and for anyone who hasn't seen it this is a three hour long movie yeah it's like two two hours 45 50 minutes it's gargantuan it doesn't feel that long it never feels that long to me yeah i it wasn't like a painful sit or anything for me no i was playing my drum pad the whole time but oh nice (laughs) hell yeah yeah you have to do what i do uh, so they eventually are led, they, uh, the, the, the lady, sorry, the young woman, his daughter figures out, um, that there's maybe like a code to how the books are falling out. Uh, and there's a dust storm and they start seeing like a pattern in the floor of where like the dust is kind of in these lines and they figure out it's binary code. And so they use the bite, they, they, they use that coding to figure out that it's like a set of coordinates and then they go to the coordinates and it turns out that's where NASA is. NASA was thought to be like totally decommissioned. And in this future, in this dystopia, they're kind of really shying away from like 
science and exploration. Uh, they're really just teaching kids how to be farmers. They're like, we need food. We don't need, you know, like engineers, pioneers and dreamers. Yeah. We need fucking farmers. Um, and I, I want to say one thing here too, because it was kind of a discussion point for me, but we could talk about it real quick. Is like, we see this bizarre robot um uh you know like right in the scene as they're they're like apprehended and taken inside of the what we learned to be you know new nasa headquarters or whatever this robot looks like it is from hundreds of years in the future it is extremely sophisticated it's well i don't i don't want to call it a plot hole or anything but it definitely uh i have questions about that you know like you know like how far in the future this is because we don't really have like any years given to us during this movie but it, it felt weird to me just how sophisticated their robotics are and how shitty everything else is well it didn't really it doesn't really surprise me because they they say that they're decommissioned military security robots and yeah. if you've seen the shit darpa's working on you know we're we're not that far off from like an articulated but these are like frictionless, shape-shifting, sentient robots. It's actually, okay, let's talk about this later, but okay. those robots are physically possible. I'm not they saying they aren't. It's just like the way it moves and does stuff in the movie, like, is, I mean, far beyond any civilian tech that we'll have probably for the next 50 or 60 to 100 years, I would say. I mean, yeah, not that I have any basis for that. Tech. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but, it's like a good military shit. Um, we'll, talk, we'll talk about but, it. But I could actually see where maybe more like their, their level of, oh, of self-awareness and sentience is, was a little bit of a plot hole for me. Uh, it was more what I was, I was kind of hmm about on second watch here. Uh, but so they stumble upon NASA and they believe the story because they know that some sort of force, maybe something extraterrestrial, is sending them messages through like gravitational anomalies that they need to leave because they've found a wormhole out by Saturn. And it showed up about 50 years before uh, this movie's time. And it leads to like 12 different, it leads to another galaxy. And in that galaxy, there are about 12 different planets that are orbiting a, a, a super supermassive black hole. It's like an old, I think that they're called like gentle black holes. Uh, so it's like an older, very stable black hole. Uh, and they know from what they can tell, they think, uh, at least a couple of those worlds are going to be habitable for humanity. So NASA's like, look, we've got this alien race or some kind of beings that are helping us out. They're trying to lead us away from this solar system. Um, and for some reason, they've chosen you. We need a pilot. You want to you fly us You just out there? showed up on our doorstep randomly. Why don't you sacrifice your life to do this yeah um but they kind of like there's not really it's not even like a chosen one thing necessarily they're just like oh yeah they chose you okay get in there 
Yeah, that part did seem a little loose to me. Like, and I can see how they were probably trying not to go for like a, uh, what was it? The one where uh, Bruce Willis has to blow up the asteroid or whatever. Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. Where yeah. they like go get him and they round up the team. I mean, I don't know, but it seems a little weird. He's like, oh yeah, I randomly found this place. And they're like, well, you have to do this now. And it's like, eh, I don't know. And then he's in space, like within the next five minutes, you know, after he says his goodbyes like, super briefly. He gets no training whatsoever, no refresher on how to pilot a spaceship, anything like that. They're just like, get up there. I almost kind of wondered if like they were alluding that a little bit of time had passed. There's no before. indication of that. But there wasn't really great indication. Yeah. Because um, he's definitely been a farmer for like a long time at this point. Uh He's yeah. not been zooming around space uh, or, you know, the stratosphere. And, I, and I'm not like, it, I wasn't like itching for a montage scene or anything like that. It just felt a little like rushed right there for sure with how intricate the rest of the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to say goodbye to his kids. Um, he's got an older boy and then he's got his daughter, Murphy, um named after murphy's law which is very cute they're and probably then, like 10 and 15 or something 10 and 16 yeah yeah uh i think on wikipedia it said they were 10 and 17 okay and uh he they live with his father-in-law their mother had passed away quite a while ago john lithgow <laughs> john lithgow just the best i just love him so fucking much i love john lithgow i will watch anything he's in he was he was really good as Churchill on the crown. Like, I just, I love him. I did not and, remember he was in this movie and it was a very pleasant surprise. Right. And the father-in-law character is really cool because they don't, I love that they don't make him the antagonist. He doesn't hate his son-in-law. He seems to actually really respect the hell out of Coop. And he's like crotchety, but extremely caring. Like, I really enjoyed that they kind of subverted that or they avoided that trope. Um, yeah. And so, you know, he goes to say goodbye to Murph and Murphy is not having it. She's like, fuck you. Don't leave. Like I, I decoded the, the book, like how the books fell out and it's Morse code for stay. Like they're literally, they're saying that you shouldn't go. Uh, and he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I have to go. Like, we've got to, we've got to do this. Um, and essentially, the mission that he's going on is they've already sent people to four of these worlds, and the people essentially knew that a lot of them were going out on suicide missions, and they have been tasked with analyzing the worlds. And then they'll send a thumbs up or a thumbs down, depending on how habitable they are and how stable they are. Uh, and so they're getting like good readings from like three of the four people uh, and they've got to go and essentially like now figure out which one of those worlds is going to be the one. Um, so he ends up having to leave Murphy and they don't have like a very good like goodbye she's crying she won't leave bed she won't talk to him she won't look at him 
Um, so he kind of has to leave with that relationship kind of in tatters and it's really sad. It's okay. He um, doesn't really care in the next scene when they're in space. Yeah. But he's, he's got to <laughs> do what he's got to do. So he, they go to space. They go to hypersleep after they get up to the Endurance, which is the uh, really cool ship that, that they're actually going to travel to the outer solar system in. And I don't think it's a very cool ship. I think it's wonky and weird. <laughs> it's actually like a, it's a, a prototype. Like that was a design that like a physicist came up with for like having it. a, it's just not very aesthetic to me. Cause it's like, it's got, it's like ring shaped. So it's almost like a habitat ring. Um, it's and like a centrifuge or something. And it spins so that you can um, mock gravity on it. And I guess just another little minor detail, since you're you're going pretty in depth on the uh, recap, which I like, so that I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> but uh, I guess the the NASA facility where you know all this popped off is also like a big centrifuge and is ostensibly going to be launched into space when they figure out uh, how to subvert gravity, basically, which is like another main plot line, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they go up, they sleep the two years it takes to get to Saturn, they get to the wormhole, they go through the wormhole in a smaller ship, and um, they kind of, like, okay, the wormhole scene is great, but the creaking that that ship makes is so terrifying to me, like, that would, that's my, oh, I would, I, I would shit myself. I would shit myself. Um, they experience like a gravitational anomaly while they're in there. And uh, one of the, the doctors, uh, Anne Hathaway's character, Dr. Brand, she gets to like touch it. And that's pretty cool. Uh, it comes back later. Uh, and they get there and they, they go to the first world where they were getting a thumbs up. Yeah, and after some not out, great planning because they already aware that for every hour they spend down there is going to be seven earth years or seven years on earth and they decide to go regardless yeah and they go there first uh because it's right on like it's not on the event horizon but it's like a very closely orbiting um planet it's a very close orbit to the black hole so relativity states time's going to dilate and it turns out that it's a completely water-covered planet, and because they are so close to the worm, not the wormhole, they're so close to the black hole, it's just one giant wave sweeps across this place, like, every hour. And they figure out, like, there's a bunch of wreckage where this doctor's ship was because she had, like, just been killed. <laughs> by the, the previous wave. And so they have to run, get back to the ship. One of the doctors is like trying to get her black box or whatever. And they're like, fuck that, we gotta leave. Um, somebody ends up getting swept away in the water and it's really sad. Uh, and then they come back up because uh, their, their ship ended up getting super wet and they had to like wait like an hour for their engines to like 
drain. Yeah, you uh, barely escape, of course, you know, after yeah. being down there a couple hours. They get back up. It's been 23 years. And the guy that they left up there has been alone for like 23 years. Um, Romilly, yeah. Romilly, yes. Which is one of, who is, he's one of my favorite characters. And I Surprisingly not crazy. Yeah, yeah, doing okay. He, he, he said that he did some sleeping. Uh, like he went into deep sleep for a while there. But the time that they were away, he spent like really studying the black hole. So like he spent his time well. Uh, and so when they get back, they've got all these messages from Earth, and that's really sad. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I wanted to talk about this scene a little bit. We don't have to do it right here, but, like, it seems like he's kind of obsessed with his family in, like, an unhealthy way that I'm sure is intentional. Um, like, it's, it, like, that scene was weird to me. Like, cause he's only been gone, like what? Like in his perception, I mean, what a couple weeks or something? And I get how like wild that would be, and I want to talk about that more. It just seems like he does not have a good grasp on how he should be like handling the situation. Yeah, I think well, one of the reasons he's so emotional is he gets some some pretty rough news from Earth as his kids are growing up. And uh, Murphy never, like, sends a message out to him, really. Um, Until she turns his age. Yeah. She sends one message. It's like, you said uh, you might be my age by the time you get back, and here we are. So fuck you. And I think that her, like, fuck you attitude is, like, it's, I don't know if I would call it a trope, but it seems kind of tropally bad in just like because you know she's gonna flip-flop like you almost know from the beginning of the movie with like how big of a focal point she is and she's just like fuck you for no reason when he's ostensibly trying to like save all of humanity and you think Mm -hmm. that you know she probably would have had some understanding of that by that point but so I was a little disappointed that she didn't it just seemed a little shallow to me yeah, I kind of was thinking, like, by the time I was, like, in my late 30s, I would be like, yeah, my dad died trying to save the world. Like, he died trying to do, do something. Like, yeah, he left me behind, but for, like, an extremely noble goal. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, no, not Murph. <laughs> Murph's still pissed. Uh, so they end up going to the next place. Uh, and they get into a little bit of a fight about where they want to go because it turns out uh, Anne Hathaway's character, Brand, is actually was in a relationship and is still in love with one of the guys who was on one of the planets. And this was go, such a weird thing to me too. Like, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just like it's just was... emotional. That's emotional stakes that you've <sighs> got to add in there. It didn't add anything for me. It was just so random. Just like, oh yeah, I was in love with some guy, and it's just like, well didn't mention it till now and and like now she's talking about how love transcends all of time and space and it's like uh, I don't, okay I'm like it just i don't know yeah. unnecessary detail in my opinion yeah it was a little contrived for me as well um but it maybe showed like where conflict of interest could be yeah but um, that was it that was all like we've that. heard of that in the whole movie about her you know 
or her person that she was in love with it was just like right there like right in the middle of the movie like oh yeah i love some guy and it's like okay i don't know uh well uh, there was there was like foreshadowing to her being being in a relationship with the other guy um earlier on in the movie uh but the guy that so, died or sorry no yes. she's oh okay i that makes a little more sense i yeah. thought it was like somebody on earth or something Mm-mm, no um so they end up going to dr man's planet and he was the person who was in charge of the uh the project and played by matt damon yes matt damon yeah. is the bad martian in this yeah uh, like the, juxtapos- the juxtaposition between the two characters he plays in the two movies is hilarious because uh, this guy is lying this guy has been sending out thumbs ups but it's a fucking ice planet it's completely frozen over there's nothing habitable and basically because and I'm asking you this here because I wasn't 100% sure of his motives was like he's trying to lure people in so that he can steal their spacecraft so that he can get to the next planet basically mm-hmm. Yeah, he's trying okay. to, he wanted to be saved, he wanted to be rescued, uh, and then he was going to go to the next okay. uh, planet. And, and he's like obsessed with the mission, out. his whole crew has died, and he's probably just insane. Is, I guess, exactly, yeah. He tries to kill Cooper, uh, long story short, right, and uh, attempts to steal their ship, but docks it incorrectly and blows himself up. Yeah, blows himself directly up. Um, cause I mean, at this point he is very crazy. He's been alone for 10 years. Um, he admits that like, I'm a coward. I didn't, I didn't want to die here. <clears throat> um, at, at this point in the movie, we're also getting lots of back home, like what's happening on earth stuff right here, where it's like 23 mm-hmm. years later, like his, uh, Cooper's son is like super stubborn and won't leave their family farm, even though like the dust storms the constant dust storms are like killing them and um murphy like sets his part of his farm on fire i think like right about at this point in the movie that is much later actually but it can't be that much later oh everything happens we're at like the end of the movie now yeah getting close there um so yeah all of that is going back going down on earth murphy is a nasty nasa scientist she's working with Dr. Brand's father, Dr. Brand, not yeah. confusing at all. Uh, he, like, and, passes right around this time, too, yeah. and tells her that it was basically all a ruse, right? Or that he, yeah. knew, he knew that he couldn't solve gravity or something. like They weren't going to be able to circumvent gravity and turn new NASA into the space station. Uh, that was pretty much just, like, something that gave people a lot of hope so that they could shoot all these embryos out into space. I have so and much I want to those talk embryos about right set up. <laughs> she's like uh, still pissed at Cooper too. Like even after learning this, like she's like still pissed at her dad saying he like abandoned them and He doesn't know if he knew or not. Yeah, it's just so childish. And then but you know, she comes around like we're we're yeah. in the end of the movie here, right? And they do that yes, once they're in space. The the explosion from uh, Brad or Matt Damon's fucking ship is like spinning their their centrifuge spacecraft, and they have to like dock with it while it's spinning. That scene was ridiculous. Yeah, I I really enjoy that scene. Um, 
and then let's see lost my trail of thoughts after that they're just trying to get data on the on the black hole and yeah uh, so they finally they take control of the endurance uh it's kind of fucked up because Matt Damon blew up part of it but it's still pretty operational so they decide they're going to go to the the last world essentially that has been giving the thumbs up which is the world that her boyfriend was on um and they're gonna send uh one of the the bots because they've got these two bots with them over like pretty much into the black hole and he's going to try to record data and send it out like at the event horizon so that he can see into the black hole and just send out like whatever he can because it's very very hard to determine what is happening inside of a black hole um and so they do that but cooper ends up going into the black hole too because uh reasons i i gotta shed the weight yeah like he's just it's like he like that um it's almost like the delta flyer you know like it's like a a small ship that's like that's like docks inside of the endurance he like leaves in that ship and he goes kind of with tars into the black hole and from there uh the aliens kind of take over uh the fifth dimensional beings and they put him in this weird like subspace uh world where he is like behind his daughter's bedroom wall um and this is really hard to describe but it's essentially like just layers and layers and layers of space time um of his his the back of his daughter's bookshelf and so it turns out he was the ghost and he starts messing with everything uh to try to like make things happen um and then he ends up coding the data from the black hole uh that tars got into the wristwatch that he gave his daughter uh before he left and it's essentially morse code that is ticking like with the second hand which i thought was really cool um and she kind of puts it all together um because their family's in pretty dire straits and she's actually like getting her brother's wife and son to leave him so that they can go get medical help because the dust is so bad that they have like mesothelioma and they got to go but then she figures it all out and then she does the math and she does circumvent gravity um thanks to the black hole data and then because it like works essentially uh the fifth dimensional beings close up the tesseract um they close up the that space-time portal that cooper and tars were in and then they get like they're just like floating outside of saturn like uh, he we do learn that and he uh, we do learn that he was the also the the 
first contact being that they encountered as they were going through the wormhole. Yeah, well. that's really cool. And uh, yeah, they just spit him out by Saturn, yeah. I guess. And it's been, it's been like 40 more years or something. Yeah, so at this point, they he's like... They scoop him up. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that. I was like, I don't like the happy ending. But. Yeah, at that point, he's 125 years old. And they find him while they're like on a ranging mission or something. Um, like sensors pick him up and they pull him in. And then uh, he gets to see his daughter, who is very old at this point. Uh, and yeah, she's like... On her deathbed, yeah. Dying. Uh, and she essentially tells him, like, this isn't your world anymore. And that's okay. Like, you should go. Go back through that wormhole. And raise humanity on you know that new world yeah she tells him um, to go to brand go go to Hathaway. her go to Anne Hathaway uh, and the end of the movie is uh he and Tars stealing a spaceship and uh heading that way which I thought was pretty dope I wasn't a big fan of the ending I liked it I don't mind a happy ending <laughs> There's enough movies like that where it's like, and then everybody dies. It's like, okay. Uh, but yeah, so that that is the the shortest synopsis I could come up with for Interstellar for a three hour long movie with a very very intricate plot in some ways. So, the what do you want to get into? Do you do you have thoughts, ideas, themes you want to go over? So my, my, my broad thought that has nothing to do with this movie at all, uh, but I obviously wanted to talk about while we were doing a space movie, is like, what are your thoughts on like SpaceX, space exploration just in general? I think you're more into it than I am because I'm very not, I'm not, really into it i'm not into like space exploration or like nuclear power things that i think are a little bit over ambitious for humanity while so many people are starving on earth and i've gotten tons of flack for that you can add me about it um and i know that space exploration is important but um i wish we took better care of people on earth instead of just shooting billions of dollars into space and i will always feel that way i assume yeah, I also have, I, I take issue with, like, we have so much going on here that we need to fix. Like, so much going on down here that it feels wrong for us to, like, just leave and, like, like, like fuck off. Uh, like, it feels like we should take care of this first. <laughs> And we're, then, not, we're not leaving. Like you, we aren't going anywhere. Yeah, Bezos I'm. I'm, I'm talking about the royal. <laughs> talking about the royal we, yeah. uh, of humanity. Uh, but yeah, no, we're poor. We're not going anywhere. We are. We are stuck on the in Doomtown. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, I'm not scared at all about that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like, I would love. You know, I do think that. Exploring other worlds, it does help us understand climate science by understanding how other planets have um, 
dealt with like the greenhouse effect um places like venus which most likely actually uh ended up being the way it is because of a, a greenhouse event like extinction event kind of thing but uh yeah you know i would love for us to explore other worlds but i feel like we really need to get our shit together first before <laughs> we start just like fucking around on other planets yeah i'm surprised well, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I I didn't remember your thoughts on it, really. And uh, I'm surprised that you agree with me kind of so much on that. I mean, I... I a I'm year sure. ago, Dash, I wouldn't have. Really? But 2020 has changed me irrevocably and remarkably. <laughs> yes. I agree with you now. Huh. I think sending I probes out is those cool. words. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> sending probes out is cool. Like, let's keep sending probes to places... But, like, let's also really invest in, like, our own infrastructure and feeding people and, um, you know, defund the police and give that money to anyone else. But, like, uh, do you think yeah. that this is, like, pro-SpaceX propaganda? Because I, I kind of think it is, like, in a weird way. They did go to SpaceX as well as NASA for research, like, to look at their facilities. So there is some SpaceX stank in here. Oh, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, this is a cool movie. I just, like, I don't know. I think that, like, mainstream acceptance of, like, funds going to stuff like that is, like, pretty important for, like, billionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of missed me a bit. Like, I mean, it's nice to air my, my dirty laundry on this subject right now and just get it out. But, like, yeah, fuck going to space like it's it's just for rich people i think it's for like rich people's grandchildren and shit so that they can go live on mars you know once this planet gets trashed by nukes or whatever yeah no elon musk wants to take leonardo dicaprio and grimes (laughs) to space he doesn't want our unwashed asses on the module with him yeah it's not for us it's for musk and his ilk um well that was one of my thoughts i just wanted to get your opinion on yeah uh nothing to do with the movie at all really aside from that i kind of think it's light propaganda but and maybe maybe my mind will change again at some point you know but uh it's interesting that you're bringing that up because so this is a world that has been like ravaged by civil unrest and war and they've kind of just gotten past a lot of that and are like kind of like this is like kind of a rare like stabilized time where things are still shitty and they're declining but like this is a humanity that is like sick and tired of decimating each other like they don't even have the resources to to war with each other anymore which is why that Indian like spy drone was so old. It had been flying around for 10 years because there's no like Indian espionage uh, yeah. like, or like government to control it anymore. That's another weird technology thing that this film doesn't address. And I do wish that this film did more world building just kind of about what you're talking about. Cause the vibe I got was like, Oh yeah, everything's fucked. And that's how it is and there wasn't really yeah. a lot of backstory i wish it would at least have said just like 2077 or something like why not or 2070 you know i 
I feel like that context would have been nice, but instead, instead, it seems more like a you know pseudo present, I guess. Um, but I kind of was able to gauge somewhat the time period because the grandpa says there were six billion people on the earth when he was a kid. Okay, which means he's about our age, like right now. Maybe, um, or actually, would maybe be maybe my sister's age, a little younger, like maybe ten years younger than yeah. us. It's not that important or anything. But, I just yeah. feel like the world building was, it, like, if it was a little bit more in depth, it would have kind of raised the emotional stakes, like for me at least, a little bit. Um, instead of it being more kind of like family oriented, which is fine, but. Uh, I don't know that and then that whole stuff like in the in the black hole like uh, really cool visually um, but just I don't know super weird and convenient but like whatever and then he he's under the impression Cooper is under the impression that those aren't aliens they're like future versions of themselves yeah um, he, he thinks it's like a form of humanity that is like really broken physics and <laughs> like has is is this is now like a self-fulfilling prophecy essentially yeah um, with the allusions to kind of time travel happening in the movie yeah. i would say that why not isn't like why isn't that canon it, it actually i think it makes more sense for it not to be aliens and it to be him or them or something just because of the the personal nature of all of the sort of time travel stuff that happened in that movie in the movie that we watched yeah no i agree um what did you want to talk about um well i liked the okay this movie is so depressingly prescient uh when it comes to like the anti-intellectual sentiments and like anti-science bullshit that we were going to end up dealing with like in the years after this movie was released this movie was released in 2014 and then about a year later trump declared his run for presidency uh and we really started seeing a lot of like rhetoric around like i don't know just kind of like stuff that happens in this movie um there's you know it's a this movie set in a dystopia where the lunar landings are taught in school as um a faked propaganda stunt to bug out the soviet union which makes because, no sense at all if, like, the one hope for humanity is supposed to be rehabilitating another planet. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not popular opinion. Okay. That's why NASA is a secret. Okay. In the movie, they say, like, like we know, like, the people won't go for that. Like, the pe people are done with fucking technology trying to save us. Like, that's why they're just trying to get people to be farmers. This, this is another weird aside that maybe you can answer for me, but, like, towards the end of the movie... I think when um, Murphy and her coworker or whatever are heading back to the house, like everybody's like leaving, like they're like just like a there's like a big caravan of cars like packed up, driving mm -hmm. away, and 
I had no, I don't know, like, where the fuck were they going? Like, that was, like, just not explained at all. Like, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of long line of cars driving out of town for some reason. Well, Topher Grace's character asks Murph while they're in the car and they're watching the caravan going the other way. He, he says, where do they think they're going? Like, what, what do they think they're going to find? And she was like, I don't know, man, they, but they got to get out of here. That's just not great world building and canon, in my opinion, to just have a really? dozen cars driving by for no ostensible reason. They just, have to, like, they've got to find out, they, they can't live in their homes anymore. Like, they're all choking to death on this dust. Why are they all leaving at once? Why wouldn't one family leave at a time or something? Like, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like every, they gotta like, take they gotta take some artistic license to like illustrate certain points. Yeah, it's like oh, it's three o'clock. Time for everyone in town to leave all at once. Like, come on. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was like the whole community was just like we gotta go, or what. But yeah, they they made that decision, uh, <laughs> uh, narratively. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just found it a little weird and just kind of indicative of how little we really know about the world in this movie other than yeah. it's bad it yeah. sucks like it sucks don't get me wrong like i think i wrote that down in my notes I'm like shitty future yeah <laughs> what year <Yeah>. is it <laughs> future no good uh but yeah i think the, the point i was driving home was like they're literally teaching like q shit in schools mm-hmm. um and it made me very sad watching it now where i thought like that's so ridiculous when I was watching it in 2014. And now I'm not so sure. Oh, yeah. And guess who wants people to believe in Q shit? Billionaires. Like, yeah, Warren they love Huff it. And fucking Jeff Bezos, because they want Y'all, you to be real fucking stupid. It. So that you don't think about any of this shit that they're up to. <laughs> love it. Don't make Jeff Bezos happy. Do me a favor, listeners. Don't make Jeff Bezos happy. <laughs> Whatever you can do to make that guy miserable, do it. Within the extent of the law. Uh, we'll be their farmers here in a couple decades, so. <laughs> right. What did you think of the Dust Bowl interviews that are interspersed through the, throughout this film? Oh, um, I don't know. It felt like a 90s throwback to me for some reason. Um, I thought that... What, what, sorry. Sorry. That's because they're actual interviews from the Ken Burns Dust Bowl docu- documentary. Okay, cool. That's why they look so 90s. <laughs> so it was just people talking about when the Dust Bowl happened in America. There was like a big food sh- shortage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know all that much about it, but um, I guess that's cool that you know, they're real interviews. I kind of thought that they were like his children or something at the end of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I wouldn't have known that. But um, and then it's just kind of weird when they he walks him up to his house at the end, and there's just like twenty five TVs like in random spots in his house, like all on and playing at the same time. <laughs> like, it's like okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like those are like little museum, like interactive museum exhibits. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that because it kind of drove home the timelessness of our issues as a species Mm -hmm. that like, you know, and again, it hit different post 2020 because it's like, Oh, this, 
near future humanity is dealing with a dust bowl and we in 2020 and 2021 have dealt with a pandemic that has panned out very similar to the 1917-1918 flu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, with so many things that are like plausible, but I, I, I find it hard to like relate to it in a lot of different ways personally. Cause it's like, yeah, that could happen. I mean, a lot of shit could happen though, you know, <laughs> like but there are a lot of shows in media that try to definitely tap into that. Like what if, you know, feeling and, um, and I think it's a powerful tool for filmmakers to use. I don't dislike it, uh, but I can't say it like hits me particularly hard um, just because I feel like it kind of makes you want to worry about hypothetical situations that may or may not happen. Like, even if it's totally possible, it's like, I don't really need to like worry about it or am super impressed by its po possibility of reality, but I don't know. It's just me being a buzzkill. I think it was, it maybe had more to do with the idea that we endure over and over again. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, another thing that hit different after 2020 was Matt Damon's character in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's uh, wild. He's tropey as fuck. He's like. <laughs> basically a fucking throwaway character not not my favorite part of the movie to be honest i don't know i mean i the point i'm making is like seeing someone who is like essentially gone crazy from isolation yeah after a year in quarantine is like kind of rough to watch now uh and seeing how being very alone for a long time changes a person um it's not something that I like took to heart when I watched this movie at first. And now I live alone <laughs> in a pandemic and I'm like, Oh yeah, I can, I, I can see it. Yeah. I'm more like against the negativity of it because it feels really tropey for me to be like, Oh yeah. Find the one guy still alive and oh, he's a psychopath now. It, it, I, I don't know. It feels disingenuous to me because like, uh, maybe it's like I can't put myself in his shoes but like if that were me I would have been like oh my god people I don't want to kill you I missed being around people you know um, yeah I also would have like done my due diligence to talk Cooper out of going back to earth yeah it, it like, seemed really just kind of tropey to me just how fast he like flips the kill switch on like, oh, gotta kill him yeah like, so that's why I didn't really vibe with that that scene yeah. that much yeah but i think you know for me it was like oh oh the loneliness i get it yeah um this this movie so i love the movie contact i don't, I don't think i've seen that one it's so good we're watching that for the podcast okay I'll put that on the list because it is, I love it. It was written by Carl Sagan. It's a novel by Carl Sagan that they turned into a movie in the nineties. Cool. So good. And Jodie Foster is great in it. Um, but like the end of this movie gives me real light contact vibes and in a good way. Um, but yeah, so there's like that whole 
thing of like, what are these entities? Do you think that we will ever get to that point where we're able to manipulate space time and like gravity in that way? Not on our current trajectory of uh, human development. You don't think we're doing good? No, I don't. I think a lot of that technology is uh, probably only possible for more like good aligned civilizations, if that are to be a thing. We're a little, we're a little too chaotic. Yeah. Our focus isn't on, uh, you know, our, the, the, the focus of the people with the money that would possibly be working on technologies like that is not really allocated to the betterment of humanity. So... I do think that has a lot to do with our technological development as a species. And it's, you know, I've had this thought for a long time. It's like, what if uh, all this money was actually used to like, you know, do good things? And it's like, well, we don't live in that timeline. Mm -mm. I have some fun observations from doing research. Sure. The robots. So TARS is voiced by Bill Irwin, who is this like amazing character actor and puppeteer. And every scene that TARS and Case are in that isn't CGI animated, Bill Irwin puppeteered those robots. And so he is like removed digitally from the film as he's puppeteering them cool and i thought it was super worth it they look cool but they look very unrealistic which is like gripe that i alluded to earlier um yeah they look cool though like they're cool robots like i just i like it did gripe me though i'm like i see this thing i want to like it but it feels so much more futuristic to me than everything else in the movie and uh, I just couldn't help but kind of laugh every time I saw the robots. And the robots like are like the comic relief of this movie as well. And they're they're great. Don't get me wrong. I really like them, love them. as characters. Yeah. Uh, they just confused me as a person. I love that they were pretty close to sentient AI, and they weren't the antagonist. They didn't pull a Hal. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, real- I appreciated that as well. Yes, uh, the real the real enemy in this movie is humanity's bullshit. Uh, like, just hands down, it's the only antagonist in this film, really. Um, and it shows the post-war nature of the period. They're former military security bots, and they've been repurposed to facilitate humanity's proliferation in the stars. And I felt like that's why I kind of got the feeling that this is a human race that is sick to death of decimating each other. Like they're even just like taking their, their best military technology and like using it toward this other thing. <laughs> um, and then I just love that like they aren't anthropomorphic. Yeah. They really didn't want anthropomorphic robots for this. They really wanted, they wanted something mathematically realistic. And so they're very, they were very like carefully designed that like, this is a thing that you could build and it would work and it would articulate the way they articulate. I've got a real love hate relationship with these things, Tyler. (laughs) I got it. I love them. I don't care. I don't care how realistic they are. It's a movie. 
we got a couple of minutes left. Do we want to skim a couple one stars? You know I do. <laughs> you know I do. You know it's my favorite segment. One star reviews. <laughs> I would pick a few at random here. This one's by uh, Penelope McWhorter. It's from a year ago. Google reviews one star. Started well, but drifted off into the never-ending boredom of interstellar travel, ultimately arriving at a very long and tedious convoluted journey in a kind of fifth dimension in the back of a cupboard. Kind of like the wardrobe in The Lion and the Witch in the wardrobe, but less solid. That's what it says. I didn't stutter. Uh, Then after that, just confusion and the grandfather effect. Not my favorite movie. Too long. Oof. Uh, this one's by Julie Emery. Three hours, I'll never get back. Better than 90 years, I suppose. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. Um, yeah. Fuck, Julie. Julie's savage. I like Julie. We'll do one more. This one's by uh, Naga pa- Pavin. It's from five months ago. One star. Nothing is there in film. Don't watch. No story at all. Meaningless movie I have ever seen. It is all like almost watching some kids' cartoon film. How the space shuttle takes off in film is really comedy. And abrupt ending. That was a seven seven different sentences, all each on their own line. So there you have uh, it. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree as well. Yeah, this movie, uh, this movie has everything. It's action-packed, just like every Nolan flick. Uh, if you're an astrophysics nerd uh, or a theoretical physics nerd, you're going to like it. Um, Kip Thorne was a consultant, so you know it's good. It's got Kip. So good old Kip. Kip does all of Nolan's sci-fi stuff. What do you want to watch in a couple of weeks? Do you want to go to the... Let's go to the movie theater next Watch some kaiju shit. Watch Godzilla versus King Kong or whatever. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Hopefully it's like still playing then, but it probably will be. It probably will be. What else is is out? Okay. All right, let's wrap this up. All right. So, yeah, that was Interstellar. If you haven't seen it, you can hitch a ride on my spaceship check it out good flick if you enjoyed our show please rate it review it like it and maybe subscribe to it (laughs) maybe give us a little subscribe it exists in space and at the very least tell your friends you can always email us at movietimeextra at gmail.com Tell us if you want to hear us talk about something different, a movie you might want to suggest, uh, or just what you think is extra about Interstellar. Come on, do it. As always, our banging theme song is by the intergalactic DJ himself. Uh, Cutter of, uh, what are those infinite ribbon things called? Infinity you know. symbols? Sir, sure, yeah. Yeah, cutter of Mobius strips. Uh, DJ Cutman. Bam, 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 bam. We love you, Cutman. We love you. All right. This has been Movie Time Extra. Until next time. 
Stay tasty, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.